You ask, we answer. Welcome to Can This Marriage Be Saved, where we go up against common relationship problems and help you determine if this relationship should stay or go. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Can This Marriage Be Saved? Tonight, we're both here together, myself and Shlomo, my husband, and it's actually our 15th year anniversary, so it's a really special day for us, and it's a day that we spent thinking about just what makes this all work, what makes marriages work best, and we have a lot of thoughts for you. And there's a couple that Shlomo decided he wanted to share with you tonight that are super important. So Shlomo, why don't you tell our listeners what you think really makes your couples most successful? So for those of you who read our book, our five-step action plan, our number one step is commitment. And you know, I saw I saw this with couples before I wrote the book. That's why we wrote wrote this step. But I see it time and time again that commitment is really what makes it or breaks it for a couple. If a couple is committed, they're able to get through anything. And I found that for us that that's been the secret to our success. But I mean both of us individually committed to this relationship and we do whatever we need to do to make it work. Even when the going gets rough, you know we're not thinking about an exit strategy. We know that we're together and we have to do what we need to make it work. So, you know, it's some, sometimes people think that when coming to counseling, it's, you know, it's a magic wand or there's some, something I can do to shed light on them. They'll be able to see things differently. And a lot of people walk away from our two day retreats feeling, looking at seeing their relationship in a new way, being really hopeful. But if they don't put in the work at home, then and they don't follow up, that they're not going to be as successful. So it's commitment to the marriage, but it's also commitment to follow up. Yeah, I mean that's why we that's why we include the follow up in our in our two day retreat because we we want couples to you know do the follow up and make it part of the program. But I found that the couples that work the hardest, the couples that work, I have one couple that. They work so hard. They said it was, you know, it's instant relief for them. Uh, and it sounds hard to believe, but I can see the effort that they're putting in to applying what we've learned, to using the dialogue process constantly at home and in, in obviously in our follow-up sessions, but constantly at home. And their efforts are paying off. It, you know, even a few weeks out since we did the retreat, they're working their hardest and you know, they're showing that they can have a, a new relationship. But it does take work. It's not... You know, it's not easy work. It's not magic. But if you put in the effort, you definitely will be successful. But there was something else you were telling me about, of more than commitment, which was taking was, personal responsibility. Right. I want you to share that tonight with everybody. Right. So another important thing is taking responsibility for the state of your relationship. Um, even if you feel or recognize your role in the relationship and that, you know, it takes two to tango and that, you know, maybe you're, you're to blame or even maybe if you even feel like you're equally to blame, that's a great first step. But it's also about taking the responsibility to change and to do something. And part of it is not, you know, by taking personal responsibility, you are not sabotaging the relationship. So sabotaging the progress. So when a couple comes in to get help, you know, it's really important that 
we acknowledge the fact that our partner is there with us, that they're invested in it, um, and not you know second guessing their motivations, reading their mind. Um, couples tend to want to read each other's minds, and it's, you know I say. Are you saying that the couple is blaming each other? Like, oh, you don't want to be here. You're just here because you have to be here. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, people, you have to be here, or someone, you know, made you come, or you feel like you're not going to get. I don't know, like custody. custody if, if it looks like you didn't make an effort. There's, there's all these, there are many different ways and excuses that for, for, you know, reasons why someone could be there. But ultimately, as I tell couples, you want to sit there for two days, for 12 hours, working on your relationship, it's not easy for anyone. So there's got to be, there's got to be some willingness to save the relationship. You can't fake it for that long. It's just impossible. Unless you're a, you know, Academy Award winning actor. So you're saying that couples that are successful are the ones that show up committed. So the fact that they're showing up is that they're committed, but also that they're not just blaming each other and kind of being a victim. Yeah, because I mean, taking responsibility for, like, for example, making up stories, letting our our thoughts, uh, our thoughts about the relationship, our thoughts about our partners, they serve us well in protecting us because you know what when we've been hurt time and time again, who wants to open ourselves up to think that maybe, you know, to be vulnerable and to, you know, give our spouse a second chance. Why would we want to do that if they could potentially hurt us? So the risk of getting hurt again is so great that it's hard for us to kind of get rid of those old, old thoughts. So we tend to assume that they're just going to act in the same way that they've always done and that they're not really going to change. And this is what they've been saying for, you know, X amount of years, and this is the type of behavior um, they've exhibited before. So there's not, they're not going to change. And, and then we start to point out and see, oh, look, they're doing it again. This is what I told you that they were going to do. So instead of going from that angle, really honoring the fact that your spouse is here, willing to work on the relationship, and giving them a chance, and not concocting a story in your head or assuming what they're thinking or what their motivations are. So for couples that haven't yet attended our retreat, let's say at home, right? They're thinking, oh, there he goes again. He's always late or he never follows up with what he says he's going to do or she's yelling, she's verbally abusive. So you're saying stop telling yourself the story because you're actually kind of creating it through your speech. That's through your thought. Don't assume. Yes, someone could be routinely late, but... Do you know that they're not late? They're late because they don't care about you. They may actually have had. They might actually have a valid excuse this time. Sometimes I like to think of it as like on Yom Kippur when we stand before God, at least in the Jewish faith, uh, asking for forgiveness. He wipes our slate clean. So don't we? You know, we relish that opportunity. And who are we to, you know, not be able to grant? our spouse a new opportunity, a new reality, right? Are right. we much better than God that, you know? Right. The problem is we're afraid. We're afraid of getting hurt again. And that's, that's one of the reasons why it's so hard to forgive. We're afraid of getting hurt again, so we don't want to open ourselves up. Um, I think also we, we're afraid that if we forgive, then that will give license for the person to do it again. Mm-hmm. It's almost if, as long as we hold on to it, uh, we don't give them that power over us. And there's certain things that are very hard to forgive. 
But the bottom line is, are you committed to this relationship? Do you want to be married? If you want to stay in this relationship, then part of that is taking responsibility. Part of that is forgiving. Part of that is not blaming and being open to doing things, you know, wiping the slate clean, so to speak, and, and learning a new way. I think a lot of people just don't have the hope that there is a better way out there. There is a different way out there that there's really no solution that will actually help. I think that's what's hard for most couples. Um, that's why most couples, I think, despair and just give up hope. But they can know that if they even just start at home by slowing things down, listening to what the other person is saying without reacting, repeating back what the person is saying so that way you don't have time to concoct your own story because you're listening and you're crossing the bridge into the other person's world, right? If you do those things that we teach in the Imago Dialogue through our website and our podcast and in person when you work with us, if you, if you slow it down and try to use some of those techniques, you will create a new and different relationship. And it will work slowly but surely if you allow it to. Right, because the bottom line is all the stories that you have about your relationship, you know, we can have, you can have, you know, 30, 40 discussions about this issue and that issue and this problem and that problem. And it's really not about solving each individual issue. It's about creating safety. That's what I always tell couples that no matter how many years you've been married, you're going to have issues. And we're not here to solve the issues. We're here to teach you how to be in a new way so that you can deal with them on your own. Um, usually they get re resolved much quicker and there are much, many, there are fewer issues. But the main thing is safety. If we feel safe, we can open up, we can really hear each other and understand each other. Our readers are probably sick of hearing us talking about it. <laughs> I, hope, if you're, I hope that it's... Look, we, I personally, and I'm talking about this all the time with my couples, I can't hear it enough because... How much of the time are we conscious in the moments of, the, of conflict? Am I always conscious? You know, when we're at, let's say we have something, you know, a little uh, tip or something. I'm not thinking about that in the front of my mind. I'm not in my conscious brain thinking, yes, you know, Rifka's not feeling safe right now. And that's what we need to do. We need to reinforce it until we're, you know, so sick and tired of hearing it because this is the one, I would say, the foundation of everything. If creating safety, if you feel safe, then you can deal with anything. That's how change happens. If you're not safe, then forget it. If you're yelling at each other, um, there's no way your spouse is going to hear you. There's no way your spouse is going to change. You could try to bully them and motivate them out of fear, but at some point they're just going to snap and you know they won't take it anymore. So again, it's creating a safe environment, and both people trigger each other. Both people, you know, of both people create that situation where we both go to the those protective. Um, you know, that those adaptations to protect ourselves and those that undesirable behavior that we exhibit when we're trying to survive. But ultimately, we need to both, both people need to take responsibility for their role and to invest all of their efforts in creating safety for their, for their spouse. And tell me, tell us how, standing on one foot, just tell us quickly, how do you create safety again? The person that's mad or the person that's being yelled at, how does one create safety in both of those? scenarios well the example we give in the, the, the you know the main i guess the main uh paradigm you have you know the turtle and the hailstorm so you have one person who is um the more explosive one and 
they create safety by watching what they say, by not exploding, by making sure it's a good time, by being respectful of the other person's needs, and by asking for what they need instead of instead of blaming, instead of shaming, um, instead of pointing a finger, really asking in a calm and connected way. Um, on the other hand, the turtle, who's usually the spouse, kind of just checks out. Uh, part of their mission of being safe is to show up and to provide that space so that their spouse can feel seen and heard and not ignored. And again, applying the Imago Dialogue is a perfect way to break, this, to break that cycle and to create safety. And it does seem artificial and it can be annoying at times, but it works wonders because it slows down the brain. It helps you really hear each other. It, you know, it stops all of the miscommunications and it helps you not react because it, it stops you from telling that story. Right. Be, right. Because again, we're trying to get away from interpreting. What is your spouse saying? Not what do you think they're saying? And what do you, oh, I know what they're saying because I have this assumption that this is what they're saying. Is that what they're saying? Listen to the words. What are they saying? Do you know the intention behind the words? You can ask, is there more? Find out more about what they're saying. Listen long enough and they'll make sense. But don't make up a story even if you get triggered, you have to find a way to calm yourself down by mirroring back and by allowing yourself to be calm and to realize it's not about you. And no matter what they say, you don't have to agree with what they're saying and you don't have to do with what they're saying. But you need to be able to get empty yourself out, get into the other person's space. You know, as we say in the, in the fourth step, acknowledge the other, enter the world of the other and experience them. Because once you do that, it's usually not as threatening, but it's, the ego that gets in the way. It's, you know, it's our self-absorption. It's our self. It's, our, it's all of our fears. It's all the story that we're making up about it. We need to kind of put ourselves out of the way when we're listening to that other person so that we really listen to them. Listening is about focusing on the other. It's not about focusing on ourselves. And when we focus on ourselves, that's where all the problems get to. So, this, so we kind of went in a circle, but basically stop mind reading, right? Stop trying to read your spouse's mind because it's getting you into trouble and be committed to that. Be committed to learning new ways to experience your spouse and being present and not mind reading because that's where a lot of people slip up, right? Cause they're scared and that makes total sense. Mind, right. Mind reading interpretation. Yeah. And they're doing that to protect themselves. But again, so get safe, use the Imago dialogue, and empty yourself out so you can cross the bridge into your spouse's world and really hear where they're coming from when it's a good time, when you've prearranged it to sit together. Those are some of the suggestions that we have for, you know, creating an amazing marriage, a committed marriage. And that's helped us to where we've gotten to be 15 years later, right? Right. <laughs> we're still here. We're still here and we're still you know, more excited than ever to help couples achieve a better relationship because it is possible because we've seen the worst marriages turn themselves around marriages on the brink of divorce marriages that have, have exhausted all of the possibilities going to counseling multiple times. Once they've understood some of these principles that we teach, they've been able to turn things around and, there's no need to be stuck in a lousy marriage when there's something better that you can do about it. And that's why we're doing what we're doing. Well, thank you for joining us. And we look forward to talking with you again with our next podcast episode. Take care. Good night. 
We hope you've enjoyed listening to today's topic. We'll be back again to focus on another topic that is sure to help you with your marriage. For any questions or concerns, please email us at info at themarriagerestorationproject.com. With best wishes for your relationship success, 